Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. 39 and single. Can someone help me out? He could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Hey, babes. Thanks for joining me again. So first things first, I want you to know that I am feeling really great. But here's the deal. I started spotting on Friday. It was a little heavier on Saturday, but still quite light. And on Sunday morning, the blood was much more clotty and maybe fibrous. But everything I've been feeling since Friday has only been positive. When I first saw the blood on Friday, I was immediately surprised, of course. And then I was totally okay with it. I was actually relieved that I wouldn't have to wait for my ultrasound on Monday. And I was relieved that it was looking like this miscarriage was going to happen naturally and I wouldn't have to have drugs or a procedure. And I was relieved that my body would get back to its regular cycle sooner than later. So, I know it sounds weird, but hooray? And let me tell you a couple other great things. I'm fully off Prilosec now. I still get heartburn every afternoon, but it's getting a little bit better every day. But like... I was on Prilosec for five years. Another good thing about being off Prilosec, the heartburn's so bad in the afternoon that I can't eat, and now my body looks tight. Also, I'm now holding steady at 2.5 milligrams of Lexapro, and I think I'll stay there for a little while since I don't have to rush right now. But by the time I'm pregnant again, I will be medicine-free, and that is amazing. Another great thing, I was pregnant, and that means I can get pregnant again. Another really great thing, I probably won't be giving birth to a Sagittarius, which is like, phew, a load off. And another great thing, I can play in my fucking basketball game tonight. And another great thing, I can fucking eat soft cheese if I want to. I can go eat sushi right now if that's what I want to fucking do. Wow, I sound angry. (laughs) I'm not, I'm good. (laughs) Anyway, now there's one tough part I have to tell you all about. A few weeks ago, Zach gave me the news that he couldn't be a donor anymore. I know, I know, I know. It's the worst, but it's totally okay, okay? Okay, just relax, take a breath. It's just that something in his life has changed that precludes him from donating anymore, and I completely understand, and I'm so grateful that he was willing to come on this journey with me for as long as he did. He has been so supportive and such a good sport through all of this weird shit that I've put him through. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Zach. Nevertheless, it was a hard pill to swallow because before he told me, I wasn't really worried about miscarrying. I knew it was a possibility and I knew that if it happened, I could try again. But after he told me, I worried immediately. Like a lot. I had no backup plan. 
like any pregnancy, you don't know if it's really going to stick around until maybe three months. So what was I going to do? Spend the next three months, the whole first trimester, looking for a new donor, doing interviews on my podcast when I should be celebrating my pregnancy? It was all too much and I was so exhausted. So I just decided to let it all go and just enjoy my pregnancy. And that's what I did. And it was so great. After wanting babies my whole life, this is what I had always wanted. It was great. I crocheted a blanket and I can't wait to be pregnant again. And I'm so glad I made the decision to enjoy my little pregnancy while I had it rather than freaking out the whole time. And now I'm not freaking out because I know what I want to do. I'm going to a sperm bank. I know I was afraid of them before, but I don't give a fuck. I'm going to be 41 in six months and I do not feel like looking for another sperm donor. In case you don't remember, I was not into sperm banks because you have to rely on the honesty of the donor when it comes to things like alcoholism and mental illness. And because I have those things in my family, I didn't want to predispose my baby to more of it. I also don't have a lot of money and every vial of sperm is $995. And I think I heard somewhere that there was a higher rate of autism. But the biggest negative in my mind was the fact that my child wouldn't be able to reach out to their biological father until they were 18 years old. You know, in case they had any questions about their personalities or, hey, do you have a huge penis too? Or how come I don't like the taste of mushrooms? That kind of thing. But all that means is that I'm going to have to work even harder to make sure that my little one is the happiest little child on the planet so they don't care and they don't need to know anything about their biological father until they're 18 years old. Of course, everyone keeps telling me the benefits of sperm banks and that I'm avoiding a whole world of unforeseeable complications. But I already know that. The point is, this isn't how I saw it happening, but it's my reality and it's gonna bring me my baby and I'm excited. Of course, if the perfect specimen presents itself to me, I'm not going to turn it away. I'm still open to all of the options, but these things do take time. First, there's the interrogation with Amanda Lund. Then there's semen analysis, STD tests, and genetic testing. So look, if you're dying to give me the juice, line up, hit me up, let me know. We'll talk about it. But in the meantime, I'm hitting the websites, the sperm bank websites. Oh, and by the way, if by chance I do end up with another known donor, We wouldn't be doing it the same way I did it with Alex and Zach. We would do it at the doctor's office because I want to go straight to IUI and um, get this thing done. So it would be one sample per attempt. Okay, moving on. I want to tell you a little bit about the experience I had on Sunday morning with my miscarriage. I really don't know what to call it since it happened, you know, so early in the pregnancy. But I'm just going to read. I'm going to read this to you. This is what I wrote in this. I'll read parts of it. I think I just had my little miscarriage, and it sure was little. I lost a little mass, maybe half an inch around. I caught it, like a real weirdo. I saw it coming in a mirror. Okay, listen guys, yes, I was holding a mirror down there because I'm curious about my body. Jeez, leave me alone. Anyway, I decided that I would give this little mass to the earth and say goodbye, like the witches might do. I filled up a cup with water and went outside to this little lemon tree. There's this little lemon tree in my backyard that grew out of an old lemon tree that I think was cut down. So I love this little lemon tree. It's way back in the back. And I really didn't even discover that it was there until six or seven years ago when they cleared the backyard. Anyway, where was I? Let's see, where was I? Ah, yes. So I looked at the mass in the light. Maybe it was a little gestational sack. There was texture to it. 
I rinsed it off in the cup of water and looked at it closer. It was fibrous and dark brown. By the way, did I warn you that this was going to be graphic? I said some words to it, to this little piece of my body, and thanked it for bringing me so much joy. Then I poured a little bit of the water onto the base of the lemon tree. And then a large fly came by and started buzzing around where I poured the water. So without thinking, I shooed the fly away, quickly dug a hole and poured the thing in the ground as fast as I could and covered it up. It was pretty ridiculous, everybody. Like I was being so sentimental and spiritual and then I freaked out about this fly. After I covered it up, I wondered if I would feel like I was, what does that say? I wondered if I would feel like I was saying goodbye to my baby, but I wasn't. This was not my baby. It was a beautiful part of my body that did its best, and I'm thankful for it. But it wasn't my little baby. Just a piece of me. Maybe it was a conglomeration of all the work I'd done over the last year, and all the fear and the sadness saying, See ya! Time for a fresh start. Whatever it was, thank you, little piece of me. You made me so happy. So that was that. And then I went for my ultrasound this morning. But guess what? That beautiful, tiny little gestational sack that I buried underneath my beautiful little lemon tree and I said goodbye to and I thanked for making me so happy wasn't my gestational sack. Nope, it was just a blood clot because my gestational sack was still in my uterus. Don't worry, it didn't have a yolk sack in it. It was just still there. Here's Dr. Kalen. Come in. Hey, Hi. how are it's you? Okay. Don't worry, I'm fine. Don't be sad. <laughs> I love you worried about my like feelings here. That's very nice of you. Is it okay if I sit down and tell you a little bit about how I'm feeling and if I have my problems? Yes, please do. Please okay. do. I know, I know. Okay. So um, you had bleeding, um, kind of past tissue and stuff like that. Is that? I had spotting Friday and Saturday. I stopped taking the progesterone. I, even though you didn't tell me to. I stopped taking it after Saturday morning because I was like, this is just... It's, it's right. From based on what we saw... And I just, kind of yeah. Okay. I think I actually, this is going to sound gross, yeah. caught the gestational yeah, no. sack. Yeah, If yeah. that's possible. It's possible. It was small. Uh, it was probably about like that. Exactly big. that. Yeah. And um, I was like, whoa. And I put it in a glass of water just to like, it, it rinse it off. And it looked like, it looked like little. gray... I don't know if it's supposed to look gray, brown um, texture. It didn't break up when I spun it around in the glass. Yeah, sometimes it can also be a book clot. Like it actually, Maybe. the sack actually looks more like transparent a little. Oh, did like it? Little, like, Does it? Almost like a little grape, like a clear grape. No, it didn't look like that. So, well, I buried, I I buried a, <laughs> a blood clot. But, but it wasn't a spiritual sad experience. It was very, it was like, oh, this is like a piece of my body, and yeah. it's not my baby's soul. My baby's soul is out here yeah. trying on different outfits, and and this isn't the right outfit. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Trying on different outfits is not the right yes. Yeah, it wasn't the right one. But I now my soul, the baby's soul is with me now, and it's ready. He yeah, did. yeah. He's waiting for the right child. I totally see it. I get it. I like it. So, yeah, it didn't feel sad. The difference between... I mean, the, I was sad on Monday and, like, yeah. you know, last week when I talked to you, but... It's okay. Yeah. Sad. So it's sort of normal. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so, but let's see. Let's see what's happening. We'll see if actually get it out. Is there any more bleeding or is it just stopping? No, I have my period. Perfect. And then we started the ultrasound. This is the uterus here. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is the lining on the inside part of the uterus. 
And it, that actually, the sack is still there. Oh, okay. So that's just kind of round structure. We're gonna do some measurements and stuff. We don't have a yolk sack still, though, right? No, oh God! Oh God! What did I do? No, 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 no. Um, I don't see anything inside of it, and it, it, and I'm thinking it's probably about the same size. Okay. All right. So no yolk sack, and he took some measurements, and then he started looking at my ovaries. This ovary looks fantastic. Is that left or right? This is right. So these are all follicles in here. Mm-hmm. Future outfits, as you would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This ovary also looks great. This is, I think, is where you ovulated from. That's what you said last yeah. time. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, ovaries look really good. Yeah. Now, since I ovulated from that one last time, does it mean this one will be the right, or is it different now because the cycle is different? Yeah, I mean, it's not like a hard and fast rule that, like, if you ovulate on one side, then you ovulate on the other. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, in, Even in, general, in general, it's a pattern that we see, but, oh, wow. you know. Normally, I'd put a cutaway here, but I have cramps. In fact, there are not, I don't know if there are any cutaways in this episode. Hmm. <laughs> Oh well. Okay, so um, why don't you get dressed and then we can chat a cool. little bit. Thank you. So I met him in his office and we talked about what he saw in the ultrasound and how what was in me appeared to be the size of what you would see at four weeks and one day where I was at about seven weeks and four days. Exactly. You wouldn't see this kind of period though with pregnancy, would you? I mean, this feels like my period. Right, well this is just, this is, the, 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 oh. that's what I'm saying, like this is this is the beginnings of, oh. the, of the loss. Okay. Um, and so what's happening right now is some of that tissue is starting to come out, that's what the bleeding is. Okay. There's some clot, there can be some little clots and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, but the actual sac has not come out. Mm-hmm. The good news about that is that your body is doing a really good job at hanging on to this, right? Like, it's it's behaving the way it's supposed to. Okay. This isn't the right embryo. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it's not the right outfit for the baby's soul. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Thank you. But as far as your body is concerned, it's doing everything it can to support it, and that's why it's still there. Aww. But this is not going to be able to continue to keep growing. Yeah. Um, so now that you've stopped the progesterone, that's fine. Essentially, the things that we can do going forward are just continue to watch. We can't watch forever, but we certainly can watch for another week or maybe a little bit longer and see if it'll just go on its own, and it probably will. And then if that doesn't happen, there's medicine that I can give you that kind of provokes it. I'm not a big fan of the medicine, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Sometimes it causes a lot of bleeding, can be very uncomfortable, and then you come back afterwards and it looks kind of similar like this, and then oh. you have to go and do a DNC anyway. Oh, okay. Um, or you do a DNC. Okay. DNC is a procedure where you put a catheter in there and kind of suck out the tissue kind of clean clean house so to speak mm-hmm. any of those three possibilities are reasonable I think that my kind of default is usually just to kind of give it a certain amount of time in its own to see if it would pass if you're okay with that and then if it doesn't then we sort of act and, and usually when acting to me means like you know doing a procedure or something mm-hmm. like that but that's kind of the you know thousand foot overview and how much time do you would you give it like like at, at least a, a good week at this point um, so I'd say plan to see you back next week and oh, okay. if, it, if it doesn't pass by then then we can really we talk about it, whether we want, what we want to do then okay okay sure um, do I call this a miscarriage or is it too early to even call it a miscarriage no, it's a miscarriage okay. yeah, yeah I mean miscarriage is like is 
It's I mean, a horrible Is it a term. chemical pregnancy? No, it's not even a biochemical pregnancy. Okay. This is this is a this is a miscarriage. This is okay. the, the term miscarriage we don't like because it's like I'm carrying this. Oh, I tripped and I dropped this mm. thing that I was carrying. You know, it doesn't imply anything that like you've done wrong. The technical term for this is a spontaneous abortion. Mm-hmm. Abortion also has negative connotations just from the political terminology, but abortion mm-hmm. simply means a pregnancy that that started that didn't that didn't end. Um, mm-hmm. And spontaneous means that it happened all on its own. A- another way you would call this right now is would be a, a missed abortion at this point, because it's we know that it's not going to uh-huh, go on gotcha. to become a baby, but it hasn't come out yet. Gotcha. Um, but it still has enough time that it can. Mm-hmm. Do you guys usually skip a cycle after there's a, a miscarriage? Or if I wanted to go to IUI, would you suggest waiting a month or trying right away? Or No, we could try. But the problem is that until this all passes, right. we can't even think about when are we going to start. And then usually your cycle doesn't start up again like right away. Like Right, but those follicles you saw just now, why they're already developing work. Right. And they, and they will cycle through. Do no they always what. develop even if you're pregnant? Ooh, that's so interesting. You're pregnant, you're on birth control pills, whatever. Oh, wow. so they're always like cycling through regardless of whatever wow. else is happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we wouldn't want to catch them in a weird time. Right. There's nothing we could, we can't use them at all right now because yeah. your uterus is not receptive to an, right. an, an egg. Mm. Okay. So we'll just see what happens. Yeah, so we're, just, we're right now we're focused on kind of getting through this part. Yeah. And then once we get through this part, then we kind of wait for everything to sort of stabilize, and then we can start the process then. Yeah, and now you need to find a new donor. Yeah, I so are I'm we out of donors? To, yeah. So after a, a year of all of this stuff, I'm probably just going to go to a sperm bank. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought I was like, you know. Yeah. I mean, you had two. I had two for a second. I was a very lucky girl, but um, I was a very lucky girl. <laughs> How many vials do I need for one IUI? So one vial for one IUI. Okay. For some reason, I thought that I had to be, I have two or for some reason. No. The, the, the reason why people get more than one is if you find a donor you really like, They're then reason. yeah, you don't know if they stick around. So, right, 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 so right. you get more than one. Oh, right. Because they might run out of vials. Right. So, but a lot of them have these deals where it's again, it's like a money thing. But you like you buy five vials or four vials, whatever it is. Well, or there, and there's a discount, or you buy four, you take one at a time. They essentially store them there, and if you don't need them, then you just pay a storage fee and they take them back. Because oh. if you take them out of there, then they won't take them back. That's interesting. So. Okay. Usually, have something. Like Does that. the earliness of this miscarriage mean anything for? My uh, ability to carry a baby in the future. Like, if it was like a 12-week miscarriage, does that mean... A miscarriage with a genetically normal embryo puts us at risk for another miscarriage, like like independent of genetic problems with the embryo. Mm-hmm. Generally, early miscarriages or miscarriages that are like this are due to chromosomal problems in the embryo mm-hmm. and therefore does not increase your risk for this to happen again above the age-related risk, which is related to the genetics. Okay. So, so no. Okay. And that's another thing how, like, it's in there. Everything's doing great. Your body's holding on to it. It's not like there's been some rejection of this embryo mm-hmm. by your body. Okay. So in general, no. Okay. Let's see what else I had on. And that's when I accidentally turned off my recording. But that's okay because I have this wonderful, wonderful interview that I want to get to. So last week, before I started bleeding, and I'm just telling you that for context so you know when I recorded this. Okay, anyway, last week, before I started bleeding, I got to sit down with three incredible human beings. 
Jean Villapeak, who you may recognize as Michelle, one of the teachers from AP Bio, Thursday nights at 8.30 on NBC. She's also an incredible improviser. I've also got her husband, Brian Finkelstein, who's probably also an incredible improviser, and he better be because he was my level two improv teacher at UCB, but I have no idea because I've never seen him do improv. What I have heard him do is storytelling. He is one of the hosts of The Moth on NPR. And chances are, if you've ever listened, you have heard his voice and he has moved you to tears. And my third guest is Bruce Davis Finkelstein. That's right, it's a baby! Today we're going to talk to Jean and Brian about the arduous roller coaster of a journey they went on that finally led them to their baby boy, Bruce, who's now almost 11 weeks old and has the best hair on the planet. Oh, hello. Hi. How are you? Oh, look, there's a baby. There's a baby. Come oh. on, go say hi to the baby. Oh. The hair. Bruce's hair. Bruce! Wow, he, it's just the last few days. Oh. Oh, is he gonna let me hold him and let you? Hi. I think he only likes boobs, is what he does. I don't have many. He doesn't like boobs. Hi. You wanna face the front? Well, this is the first time I've had a baby on the podcast. What about emotional babies? But also, you adopted, yes? Yeah. Yes. Or am I, did I, oh God, That's what I'm telling everyone. But. <laughs> well, I guess now my dad knows. <laughs> and then, yes. uh, and also years ago, I remember you having a blog um, about your fertility struggles and miscarriage and stuff like yeah. that. So God, there's just so much to hear about and talk about and learn about from you guys. If that's cool. That's if not, cool. We can just talk about, it's really hip. We can just talk about AB Bio and stuff we, uh, if you want. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> NBC, 830. <gasps> Let me start at the beginning, because um, I'm also curious about myself. And maybe you can give me a... Of course I had to make it about myself. Jeez. I filled them in on my story, explained that I was in the middle, that I didn't know if I was going to have a miscarriage or not. The thing is, Jean and Brian actually have a lot of experience with miscarriages. Look, I had five miscarriages. Fuck. I don't mean to brag. Ooh, I am jealous. <laughs> <laughs> one in Mexico. So can you tell me how far along were your miscarriages? The first one was 12 weeks. Oh, fuck. Right after we just told our family. We just told everybody, no. which is a pattern in we our lives. We had flown to New York. We told them, and then it happened in New York. Well, it was at my dad's girlfriend's rehearsal for Steel Magnolias, where I spotted for the first time, but I didn't know what spotting was. So I went to the bathroom, and I called my sister, who's a nurse practitioner. Yeah. I was like, hey. And she's like, well, that happens. It could be this or it could be that. And then yeah. I just stopped feeling pregnant. There was like a little, from my small experience of first trimester pregnancies, or five is a good experience for that. Yeah. I, it felt like there was a little engine <laughs> You've going. you got more experience than most. <laughs> That's true. Sad. Um, <gasps> Uh, it just felt like there was a little engine going, like a little clockwork, like uh -huh. like all of the energy was there. And then when I started spotting, that just stopped. And the, I had light nausea, and that stopped too. So I was like, all five times. Engine? I never heard you say that before. What? A little engine. It just felt like something was afoot. <laughs> <laughs> like life. Like life was <gasps> like afoot. Like life was brewing in your womb. I have I not felt pregnant at all. Then maybe, but everybody yeah. tells me that doesn't matter. It is different for everybody, yeah. and I assumed it would be the same for my sister. My sister is three years older than I am, and we have kind of similar systems, and she was pregnant. 
she got pregnant right after she got married at 40 and it worked great. She had oh a baby. So I was like, oh, I was 39 when we got married. And I was like, same's oh, going to wow. happen. So at our at my 40th birthday, we told a lot of people. We had family visiting and stuff. And then a couple weeks after that, I, I was 12. And then the second one, that November, I got pregnant again. That was your sister's wedding in Mexico. And all, all healthcare people were like, it's totally fine to fly. Just, you know. And it started happening there in Mexico. And Not just in Mexico, at the Hard Rock Cafe in Cancun. Oh my God. Let's be specific. Why were you it at the Hard Rock Cafe? Because my sister, that's where she got married. It was a wedding at the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> oh my God. And I do have to say, at the buffet, at the reception, there was a big poster of poison over the food, the oh. band poison. I was like, that's bad. But during yeah. the dancing at that wedding, I went to the bathroom and started spotting again. I was just like, oh, it's so awful. It's a story now, but at the time it was really, yeah, really, really I horrible. Know. I know. Uh, anyway, yeah, that started to happen, and we were afraid it was going to happen in Mexico, and we didn't know what the health care situation was at the Hard Rock. <laughs> so we made it to the flight. I was really scared it was going to happen on the flight home, too. We flew to the airport. It was that, Miami, that day was really home. hard, yeah. And then we went right from the airport to Cedars. I remember you got like, you're like, my wife needs a wheelchair. You got me a wheelchair. Like, you took great care. And I just was sitting on the plane, like, playing a little computer game, like, I just felt like there was a balloon full of blood in me. I was just like, this cannot pop, this cannot come out on this flight. Like it Because we'd already experienced it, one at that point. So and the, was the first one painful and just a big... Yeah, because it had never happened before. It happened in the middle of the night at like 4 a.m. And we didn't have, had never been to a hospital here too. So I went to the bathroom and it just so much to be, if you don't mind, do you remember being, no, it, it, a lot of material just comes out, like so much stuff comes out. And it's devastating. And then there's immediately oh, I like... I thought you were still in New York. No, we flew home and it happened... Got we got home yeah, at like 11 p.m. Yeah. yeah, but the first big loss was in that morning. And we didn't know, like, we had not... Which is which is really interesting, talking about this and then like talking publicly. I did a weird show about it, like a solo show and uh -huh. where I mentioned it quickly. And like friends who came to the show, like a couple of them came up to me. And this is like a UCB. It's like a comedy world show. Yeah. You don't... Like to me, it's like... I just told a story and it's funny. I don't, it's not, it's not like super emotional in the moment, but so many people afterwards came up and said like, this happened to me or, oh my God, that happened to us. And I'm like, mm -hmm. why didn't you guys tell us? Because maybe if somebody had told us we, we knew what to look for and maybe mm -hmm. we would have been like, not yeah. that we could have stopped it, but we would have gone to the hospital quicker. It would have been less painful or less like inconvenient and less, and less scary. Less but, scary. Yeah. For but, sure. But it, but no one ever told us that. Like we didn't know, cause you didn't even know if we're supposed to go to the hospital. We're like, should we just go to the hospital or is this just like now over? Yeah. Right. And I think my mom had said i called my mom and on the east coast it was 7 a.m was like 4 a.m here and she was like well you can just go to the hospital or stay home you probably should go to the er because of you lose a lot of blood um and that was a question a couple other times too whether i mean you can just kind of do not go to the hospital but there was one time where i lost a lot of blood and i fainted and you were terrified like she was out for like almost a full minute no and i was like just screaming her name and she was like lifeless like i, oh, I, I lifted up her head and she was like <laughs> oh no she didn't and i was like i thought she died i remember waking oh. up to you screaming my name being like what the fuck are you mad about oh and then god. i was just like oh god that was scary scary that's, that's how our marriage is well, what the fuck are you mad about now <laughs> <laughs> like i'm fred flintstone or something ridiculous <laughs> now what <laughs> oh brian now what <laughs> Yeah, I wish someone had explained, like, because it just, the word miscarriage sounds the same way that period stuff sounds like discretion and, uh, like, mm -hmm. some weird thing where it's just, like, this awful traumatic thing. you deal thing. with privately. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to blood and tissue 
and mm -hmm. a life ending, uh, you know, depending on how you feel about life, but like mm. the machine to quote you, like, the, <laughs> like stopping, like there's a change and hormones are released and blood and it's, yeah. do you need sometimes medical help to sort of like deal with that yeah. or at least one, information. We were seeing this doctor in Glendale and they were like, save the material. We, we went when it started to happen to the doctor and he said, don't stay this whole night in the hospital. Go home and be comfortable. Come back in the morning. And then that started in the middle of the night, right? And yeah. he was like, if it starts, save the material, which is, is horrifying. I mean, I can't. I mean, we were going to scrapbook it anyway. <laughs> like we were saying, yeah. But <laughs> well, we had containers full of material, like stuff that we brought to the hospital. And guess what they never told us, remember? Yeah. Like, I think that well, doctor they would, died. That, because they would do genetic testing on it to see if there were chromosomal abnormal yeah. or abnormalities, right? Actually, yesterday at Dr. Kalin's office, he told me that I should probably collect mine as well. And he called it the POC, the product of conception. He sent me home with a couple sterile cups and some rubber gloves. <laughs> and then last night, you know, after a day of having really bad cramps, I did actually pass what I think is the gestational sac. It was the same color and description that he gave earlier. I thought that was it, but today I've had cramps all day. I feel like shit, actually. It's not easy to edit this podcast right now. Uh, but don't worry, I'm still in a good mood. Anyway, the point is, I just went to the bathroom and um, and another thing came out. And I, I don't know or care if you want the details because I feel like talking about them. It looked like a piece of um, giblets. <laughs> oh my God. It looked like an organ, a tiny organ. And anyway, I'm, I'm, I was naive, I guess, because I, I thought because it was so early that I wouldn't really have that much stuff happening. But there's things happening. Goodbye. So you had five. Yeah. Uh, so it was like 12 months, 11 months, or excuse me, 12 weeks, 11 oh weeks. And then like a 12 month miscarriage. Yeah. That must have been It was large. an elephant. I was carrying an elephant. Um, there like the other ones were like eight, nine, ten, eight, nine, ten weeks. So it wasn't as upsetting. And it wasn't had, as So you had your earlier ultrasounds. Do you remember this yolk sac thing? I never had a yolk sac thing. The first one, we didn't I even do. have an ultrasound. You do? I remember them talking about the yolk sac. Okay. Were they okay? <laughs> I had a heartbeat twice. Yeah. yeah. That's, you would, they would have seen a, a yolk sac at that time. Yeah. I remember that expression. When you said it before, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember them talking about the yolk sac. Well, I was grateful that I had heard, heard about the yolk sac thing from a friend who had gone through this experience a couple months ago. Who, whose yolk sac wasn't found, and then and then she had her miscarriage at eight weeks. So at least when he was looking for the yolk sac, I, I knew it was a possibility. Yeah. And so I wasn't scared. And I have, because of the podcast, heard a lot of stories of miscarriage, and um, a couple, I don't know, friends have been open about it. And um, I just think it's so much better for people to talk about it and know more about it before it happens, if it happens. Yeah. And I don't think that means you're thinking negatively. No, no, it's no you're just having all the information. It's like if you have surgery, if you're having surgery, whether it's like a minor foot surgery or if you're having like a, a tumor removed or something, you look up the positives and negatives. So that then out of the corner of my eye, I saw something flash. It was my recorder and it ran out of batteries. So I stopped, changed the batteries. And while Jean was changing her diaper, I talked to Brian for a minute. So tell me. Yes. What's it like for a husband? Hmm. Hmm. It's not fun. It's scary because you feel really sad for your wife, but you also feel like you you're not the one who's anything. going through it. Mm -hmm. So you have to be the rock supportive, not because of mm. male, female, but because she's experiencing, we're both experiencing the emotional, but she's also experiencing the physical. So you have to uh, sort of be the person to make sure things get done. And that it's not fun 
when you also want to just like lay in bed and be sad. Hell but, yeah. Um, but we got through it. It's, it's also, it's hard with us. It was hard to know when to draw the line of being like, after five miscarriages, do we keep trying? And then right. after IVF didn't work three times, like do we keep, I mean, it's so expensive. So, so you did IVF three times? Is that what you said? We did three tr- attempts at it, yeah. yeah. And it didn't work. You mm. got no um, good blastocysts? Is that what they're called? She yeah. said they got embryos, but they were all chromosomally abnormal. I mean, there was one time, I mean, is this okay, Gina, to talk about the, the yeah. one time where we went and they were going to put them, they said they were okay. They checked them. They said they were, there were some good, there was eight good. Yeah. So there was eight good ones. So they were like, they scheduled us to come in. We came in and, uh, you know, Jean went in the back. They had her get on the table take off her clothes put on the gown like it was the procedure for the was transfer set for the transfer mm-hmm. so we were excited this was we'd finally gotten there and gene was all ready and they came in and said get dressed yeah she, go ahead go ahead you no and it. she's like what is happening if there was something wrong with we shouldn't have gotten up to there when we came in that morning they should have said hey come in the back they should have talked to us told us we're sorry this would happen overnight you know we, these are not no longer viable but they didn't. They they didn't communicate with each other. So the nurses brought Jean back and got her ready for the procedure, which is oh my god. This is sorry, but this is a uh, this experience happened to another couple that was on my podcast. Oh really? It's yeah. awful. It's so and awful. And they were like, you know, her feet were in the stirrups. Yeah, Me too. Same. I had little boots on, little hat on, and also and I was like, we were supposed to tell them one or two. Like I don't know how many we're going to transfer in here. Yeah, that was our big worry of the day: one or two, whether like, we wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, why I can't believe this is like an experience that people have. This should not happen. It's unacceptable. Also, the, the third time, I guess the second round, none of the embryos were viable. But the third time we went, my dad had died in the middle, so that was really awful. And then, and I was like, the magic, like he will magically make this baby happen. Mm. And you were like, call us in the morning. If there are no viable embryos. Oh yeah, that's right. I had even said to them because last time they yeah. didn't. Last time we woke up, and then we went there and they said no. So this time I was like, just can you just call us so that we don't have to go over here and we don't. Not it's not the drive. It's the emotional like roller coaster of like we need. Just. You can't be receiving the test results at seven thirty in the morning on a Monday. Yeah. Like you have to have had those results earlier. We know they're not magicians. We know that there's human error. We know that we're we're older and that there's reasons why this isn't happening that are medical and that's not their fault. We we get all that, but there's certain ways you can handle it. We're not even asking for a good bedside manner. We're just asking for like just do your diligence, do your job. Like that's all we were, and they didn't. They are making money. They are a business and they're trying to do a lot. But even with adoption too, like these people are making money as a lawyer or as caseworkers so they're not really schooled in the emotional right handling of all of this and it's extreme right? and they're handling people who are at their most vulnerable about the biggest thing in their life and that they should have some training or some understanding of that i'm not again i'm not saying like they need to hold her hand and be those eagle rock you know uh wind chime wind chime people but they <laughs> there was the dr Wu who was at glendale who people recommended was a good guy he was so kind and gentle and mm. we it was the third or fourth miscarriage we went there and it was in the morning we went in there and I remember coming in to the ER with Jean and she was in a wheelchair and like you tell people like she's losing blood and she's like not she's not you know we know she's having a miscarriage we've been through this but they of course can't take my word they've got to do tests and that's understandable because they don't know who I am 
but he came up to her and he said, he t- took her hand and he said, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. And it was like in our four other miscarriages and that it was in all of our experience in the ER that day, it was the first time anyone ever said any human thing. Like, I'm sorry you're going through. That's all that we had. Like he just put his hand on her shoulder and said, I'm so sorry. And both of us started crying. We're yeah. like, oh man, there's a human being. Like we're having an experience as opposed to like, we're part of these people's day job. Like mm-hmm. it, that just a little bit more of that needs to happen. Yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. That will make me cry. It is so, yeah. Oh, the little mm-hmm. bruises farting on my lap, so that kind of helps. <laughs> helps. Um, first, not to back up too far, but the first miscarriage we went to, what did you call it? Hollywood Presbyterian? It was like Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder Hospital ER. <laughs> it was the worst. And that guy was like annoyed with me. We he, they we waited forever. Then I got in there. He was His bedside manner was shit. He was German or Austrian didn't, and didn't really have good ink, grasp of English. And, and he called it... An extract, uh, uh, something no. abortion, a spontaneous abortion is another uh-huh. word for a miscarriage, which clearly didn't. But we didn't know for sure we were having a miscarriage because it was the first time, so we yeah. weren't sure what was happening. We we still thought this pregnancy could be saved. Yeah. And then he pretty much did a DNC without <gasps> discussing it. He did something else actually, and I didn't know what it was. He didn't tell me what it was, and it's like a vacuum thing. I can't remember what it's called. Um, it was horrifying. It's basically, it for lack of a better way to say it, it was an abortion. Yeah. And yeah. he didn't discuss it or tell her. So it was physically. Oh my God. I was and then and emotionally like in, he right? sucked it out and we were like, what just happened? And no one told us like, that's it. That, that was what was a baby. And, and that's like, now it's fine. We're sitting here with this beautiful yeah. baby. So it's like, but at the time it was and devastating. The shame of not knowing medical stuff and not being prepared. So it's just like, I trust you. And the shame okay? of not being carrying yeah. a baby. Like you start to doubt, yeah. you started to doubt like, Oh sure. I'm not a good woman. Like you had all those things yeah. and it's like, that's I not smoked cool. Newports. Yeah. In Mexico, it was like I, you were upset that you went in the ocean, like as if. Uh, yeah, I know. I went swimming in the ocean. I was like, those waves made that miscarriage happen. But you at the Hard to get Rock Cafe too. in Cancun, I can't plug it enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really hard. I was depressed a lot. Mm-hmm. Although someone asked me recently if it put a strain on our marriage, and I don't think so. You might have another. I mean, it. it put a strain on our experience but I feel like it bonded us together but I also felt like there was this bubble where we didn't want to keep having bad news like we kept having so much bad news that we I think we just kind of isolated ourselves in a way too what did you think Brian? from other people from the outside world yeah I got very yeah. socially I withdrew a lot I've always been socially like <laughs> like I don't like people but it gave it gave us a reason to not go out you don't want to be the people who are like everyone feels sorry for and you don't there's just like, I don't want to be that because I, I want to be happy and good time guy. But then there's also like career stuff where like, I don't want people to think of me that way. Yeah. Yeah. I also remember going to a commercial edition in the middle of one of these, like maybe I was not sure if I was pregnant or not. And one of those kind of especially tender times or not sure what it was going on in my body. And there were these women who were just being so crass about it and just like, oh, my eggs are so fucking fried and like, bit, 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 bit. like just talking about pregnancy and knowing that you were going through something. Nope. Oh, they okay. were strangers, but I was just like, I almost started crying. Right. I'm a sensitive person. I don't know if I'm especially sensitive or if that's just normal in that situation, but I just was like, shut the fuck up. Like it's, it's, you just never know who you can be upsetting. Although as a comedy person, I'm sure I've upset people with weird jokes and stuff all the time but 
there are a lot of people who. But you're not that type of com- comedian anyway. You're like a nice yeah. comedian. Like, more of a self-deprecating you're always, you're always yeah. talking about rape and abortion and stuff like yeah, that. Your, your, your rape set <laughs> is so good. A lot of cancer. Yeah. Oh my god. Is it like, literally? And pedophilia. Kills. You love yeah. that one. A lot of racially provocative material. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. God. Um, I love my haters. I love my haters. But part of it too is that you're literally, Gene's literally going through pregnancy every time. So the, all the hormones are happening. So then you're going yeah. through postpartum because yeah. you're losing those hormones. Yeah. So you're chemically going through postpartum, but you don't even have the baby as the like positive thing that helps people through postpartum like you have the depression like the chemical depression and then the actual situational depression so it's like it's just the reward yeah for all of the pain and i did have some people to talk to but i know i heard you ask this to brian earlier like there was no one for you to like uh, who did you talk to did you there was there i didn't i guess i mean i took empathy and sympathy from friends but yeah i didn't really talk to like dude like even my because i feel like it's 2019 like my male friends aren't typical like they're not sports cars like we are we do talk about our feelings but even somehow miscarriage stuff like i don't think we think so binary as like men women anymore just naturally but i do think like guy friends didn't really want to hear they had nothing to offer so it's just like so i didn't really talk about it right but other people talking about it really helped I remember doing a moth show in Santa Barbara where, I mean, this sounds name dropping, but Molly Ringwald told a miscarriage story uh, that I was in a show with her and it was horrible because hers was like, I want to say it was at six months and, and she now has two kids. This happened years ago, but like the way she told it, it's like, it's just so horrible because as much as it was physically horrible at three months, at six months, a lot more has developed. Yeah. So that oh, means yeah. a lot more has to leave your body. You have and to basically give birth. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just realizing like, oh, this is there's a whole world of people who have gone through worse, like somehow helps. I mean, the, the numbers are very high. I mean, one in four yeah. for women in general. And then at 40, <laughs> I think it's 37 percent. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Then Bruce did something really cute and reminded me why we were all there to talk about him and how he came to find Brian and Jean. The way it worked was amazing and a miracle or or magic or whatever you want to call it, but it almost didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And if it didn't happen, I don't know that we would have kept going and I don't know we would have a baby. So when people always say like, no matter what, you're going to have a baby or it's going to work out. It's like the whole process, like people said to us, like when we were trying naturally, like, and you hear stories about so many people like we tried, we tried and it took forever and forever. And then, I hated but that. that didn't happen for us. And then people say like, well, when we did IVF and that didn't work and this, you know, then you, my fourth you, IVF worked. Yeah. And, my fourth IVF, then I naturally got pregnant. Who knew? And then, yes. and that didn't work for us. And then we did adoption and that didn't work for us until it did, but it almost didn't, we almost stopped doing it. So we were almost at a point where we we're like, well, we're not going to have kids. So it's not like we weren't going to have kids and we were okay with it. We were, we failed, or, you know, and for lack of a better way of saying it. Yeah. And that happens to people. There's got to be people out there and like It's expensive too. It's not like there's an endless amount of like I'll just do IVF 17 times and then if not I'll adopt. Like adoption yeah. is really expensive. There You can get into hundreds of thousands of dollars like Yeah. 
and not everybody has means to that and and we we didn't so there are people who are probably like it doesn't work out for everybody like some people it just yeah. they just can't you I know feel like people want to make it better there was i did write a blog post about like don't this is what not to say to people yeah. and because I, I'm like, oh, I hate unsolicited advice. I hate everything. And then I realized half the people I knew were like, I'm afraid to talk to you. Like everything I say you are mad about. And I was like, oh, fuck. I know everyone means well. Yeah. But well, because you're really nice. And then you would write the blog. Yeah, post. that's true. It's just like <laughs> Under what lies beneath. <laughs> like everyone was just like nice. And then you like write this blog like my jerk friend said this thing. And your jerk friend's like, hey, man, you said thank I you. Know. You sent me a thank you card when I said that. <laughs> oh, God. One thing I found really helpful on a positive note is that the first time it happened, I remember Kate Purdy came over and she was like, tell me what happened. And mm. nobody else had done that. Everyone else was like, you're going to be okay or trying to make it better. And it just helped me to say like, we, I flew here. I, this happened. I was in New York. I started to feel this way. Brian got there. Da, da, da. Like just to tell the story was really helpful. So I encourage people to ask people to tell their, tell their yeah. story, but it, People are afraid to ask. So for the people that go through that experience to bring it up and to tell their story, even if anybody, if people don't ask, because people don't know um, what they're allowed to ask and what they're allowed to say. Right. Yeah. And I think especially in L.A., it's got to be easier to just say, like, I'm having a terrible time. I feel like there's a real pressure to just be like everything's cool everything's great. This I mean, I was like obsessed with bouncing back like we didn't want to tell a lot of people and then also like. This happened, but like, you know, just on to the next one instead of just like, this is the hardest thing I've happened, had happened in my life and in our relationship and just to have a little time for that. Yeah. <laughs> but now we'll never be sad again, Brian. That's right. Well, it's just like, I guess like if you know somebody who's going through it, don't go up to him and say like, it's going to work itself out. Don't say that when yes. the right one's meant to happen, because then that means, oh, so this wasn't meant to, don't say it's God's will because some people don't believe in God. And that also means if they do, then you're saying like, this is God's will that I'm having this miscarriage. Don't say anything. Just say like, how are you? What's going on? And, and don't even ask people who like, it's the same thing with don't ask people if they're pregnant. Don't ask people who are pregnant how the pregnancy is going like all the time because they might there's different phases for people. It's so funny that this subject is coming up because there's a with with Janie and Paul last week we were talking about um, how annoying it is when people ask about oh are you going to have kids you're not going to have kids and they were like just don't ask. But then we're living in a world where nobody can ask or say anything. Yeah. So uh, we all have these things that we're sensitive about. I guess the conclusion we came to last week was um, just let them talk about it first or let them say something first. But then we all really have to. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce's Baby's cute. heroin nodding off. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally am. Cool. I totally am on the same page as you. Like, it sucks that you can't. But I guess if it's like your good friends you ask. I just think like if you have friends who are in their 20s or 30s and you want to say to them like, Hey, do you ever think about having kids? I think that's really fine. You're talking about it like it's like an object. But if people are in their 40s, maybe don't ask them, are you guys going to have kids? Because <laughs> right. because it's a different animal. Same with marriage. Like, you, yeah. like, don't ask your friend who's always single and doesn't seem to have like good luck in dating if they're going to get married. Why don't but, you ever want to get married? Oh, fuck you, bitch. But yeah. maybe ask other people. But also, like, not everyone has to get married. Not everyone has to have kids. Like, I feel like we have kids. We have Bruce. I love him. He's the best thing that's ever had to me. I cannot believe how great it is. But I'm still like... It's not magic. I know, my life hasn't changed. I don't know something that other people don't like. Life still sucks. Like the world is still a mess. Like, mm. like it's. And it doesn't solve the. I'm not a better person because I have a kid. Like, yeah. We went to this like f adoption um, oh, 
seminar kind of thing this mm-hmm. place Vista Del Mar does that a bunch of them and it's great there's a lot of information there and a good community and, and it was like one thing you'll share with your adopted kid and this is when we didn't we didn't have Bruce at all uh, we had just started on our journey um, mm-hmm. but she was like it won't solve the grief you know it won't substitute or take care of all the grief in your life and in the same way you you adopting a baby is not going to eliminate the grief that they have mm-hmm. over being adopted too like there's mm-hmm. grief for that kid but what you can do is share that you have grief like you understand like to give that child space to process that the way he wants <laughs> the way he looks when you're talking he's like nodding <laughs> off and he looks so cute he's like he doesn't have grief he'll never yeah. have grief <laughs> um but yeah i that's <laughs> Oh shit, we still haven't gotten to the story about how they came to have Bruce. Okay, here we really go. Adoption was difficult at first. You were, it didn't work for a while is what was going on. We waited saying? a long time. You were into it. You were more into it than I was. And I'm glad you, you kept getting the ball going to get there and sign up. Yeah, because I knew it was going to take a while from uh, friends who have done it. So we, you sign up. We went to a seminar. We made like a profile. And then they send that. You pay them a lot of money for advertising and basically... They're advertising you to... They're putting their name out in the world. So when people who are pregnant want to give their baby up for adoption, Mm -hmm. that these are the people that they find. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when they find them, that these people say, like, this is what we want from a birth parent. And if what they want from a birth parent matches with what you want from an adopted baby, like there's Mm -hmm. filters, they call them, like gender... Uh, drugs and alcohol race mm-hmm. there's a bunch of that stuff and if it all matches up then this person gets sent these profiles and then they pick from a picture of you and some essays mm-hmm. and stuff about you they pick you um, but that takes a long time because they're you don't meet you don't meet you talk on the phone you do you facetime then you meet oh you do eventually yeah. Yeah. okay we met i don't mean to skip ahead no no we we got picked after it was supposed to be a year and a half we got after two years a woman picked us and then we talked my goodness. <gasps> we got the call. You were in New York. You were going to run the marathon for your birthday. That's right. I ran the marathon. Come on, New York wow. Marathon. It was the coolest thing ever. I'm it amazing. It was. Whoa. It was really you cool. You should see how she's looking at him. <laughs> she just got all hot and bothered. <laughs> Bye, Bruce. Um, it was like uh, we had, also had this talk too about like maybe this isn't gonna happen and we're just gonna not have kids and that's okay too like really trying to because yeah. that's another thing when people know you're adopting they're like any news like nope if, if we had it we would tell you but they're yeah. just trying to yeah that's them just trying to be nice and i do kind of what you said before like we got to ask but we got to be talking yeah. to people yeah yeah we have to be able to answer questions i feel like i'm like don't yeah no i just i just how how do you support a friend without asking them how they are or uh, it's just hard it's just, just hard it's, yeah it's like doing improv like just read the room like if somebody yeah. like you know what i mean like that's all like just don't be a dick don't ask because you want to know <laughs> like like True. ask because you think like they want to talk about it but the, like i think that's the you can, i think most people can tell but they can't help themselves it's just like yeah Ooh, what's going on yeah like, i have it too but, yeah. yeah yeah so this birth mother chose us it's a weird call to get it's just like oh god this is supposed to be the greatest day but i'm scared and brian was out of town so i called you and it was a really complicated case the woman was uh had a lot of legal issues um like a lot of trouble with the law issues um might be moving she was doing january which is in the middle of a work time for me that we were shooting ap bio so wow. that would have been complicated because you have to kind of go at a moment's notice but we were like this is the hand we were dealt and we are going to make this work. We were thirsty. <laughs> yeah. We got like a so handful. So you just said, I mean, 
you don't have like seven babies to choose from. You're no. like, okay, we're oh, doing no. this. Yeah. The supply and demand thing works where there's more of us who want babies. Yeah. And a lot of people, there's been a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because of Ob- Obamacare, there was a lot more birth control. And that's now paying where a lot less wow. women are having unwanted pregnancies because they had access to birth control, which wow. is great for the world, but terrible for us. Damn Obama. Damn Obama. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Damn it. Damn it. Um, so we Perfect talked man, to come her. back. Please come back. <laughs> Please come back. I miss you. Every day. Oh, I'm so handsome. Oh, God. Oh, oh, <laughs> and articulate. Remember when the president was articulate? Oh. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, so we finally set up a phone call with her. It was super awkward. They tell you not to talk too much about specific adoption stuff. Because as one of my friends who adopted said, like, the woman who is pregnant has all of this power. Like she can change her mind at any time. So you just want to support her and make her feel great. Like mm-hmm. we're there for you. We'll do whatever. We're, we want to come meet you. They said that's really important to go meet her. And then we'll be there at the birth. And however you want it to go down. Oh, so goodness. we started to arrange to meet her. We had our bags packed. We uh, kept getting postponed. But eventually we met her the day after Christmas. We flew to the Midwest um, and drove out to meet her. And we're very nervous because also part of it is we're vulnerable. We have no idea what we're doing. We feel very lost in the wilderness and unguided. And yet we're the adults because we have to be because we're twice our age. She's 20. She's very nervous. She's pregnant. Whatever hard time we've had and we're going through, she's gone through worse and she's going through a harder time. So we have to be the rocks and the adults, which is hard because we don't feel like that. And we go to meet her and it was insane she brought her two kids her baby daddy from her second kid not the person who made her pregnant this time made her pregnant <laughs> um, baby daddy from her so, so each kid okay. had a different gotcha, uh, baby daddy gotcha. and this was number two who so was she there. we thought he was out of the picture and she texts us on our way to meet her we get a text you know 20 minutes out of this crazy expensive insane journey mm-hmm. and the text says um you know my baby daddy from my second baby left me when he found out I got pregnant on him. Um, he was mad, but now he's back. LOL. He's coming with me to lunch. Oh my. And we're like, that's not an LOL. That's a WTF. Like that's not, that's not, that's not funny. That's not an LOL at all. Oh my God. There was such a huge generation gap. Yeah. And we went to this restaurant that was like a chain restaurant and the waitress spilled a drink on our kid and it was very awkward he he didn't say much we didn't know what to say we were just like talking like nervously and we got in the car it was pouring you know rain out last names do you know her last mm-hmm. name yes yeah. you, you get all of the information like criminal background all of her health records and stuff like that and okay. she has all of our information i'm trying not too. to say where we were exactly or what her oh, name right. is because i, I want to like still respect sure, her sure, privacy sure, sure. yeah yeah um and there was also a racial difference they're black and we're white and that happens a lot um, and I also feel like it's really misleading with all the adoption pamphlets, like most Bruce of the babies black? are white. Oh, <laughs> this one fell through. Oh this my is not gosh, Bruce's yeah. birth mother. Just... Spoiler. Oh, I shoot. ruined it. That's I ruined okay. the story. The um, storyteller was. <gasps> so oh, then... I'm like Bruce. <laughs> Bruce is black. <laughs> I really was trying to put it together in my mind. <laughs> yeah, it does. The racial stuff is weird, too, because you start to feel like because you're thinking about the kid and how to like live in a, like a multiracial family and like talk to him about it and make sure right. that you're being like respectful and all that sort of stuff. But meanwhile, like they're look like then you're worried that they're judging you as like because you starts to feel like 
there's no way to think of it as like we're taking your baby. Like like even though she chose us, we didn't choose her. And even though it's best for her, and and maybe it's not even like the right thing to put any thoughts onto her mind, but it felt awkward for a lot of reasons and Rachel was part of it in, yeah. that, in that lunch. And There's so many things you don't have in common with this person. You're just trying desperately to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we feel like the bad guys in, in Handmaiden's Tale is yeah. the way we feel. Like that's, yeah. that's the way it feels. Like oh, yeah. But she yeah. said it's really nice stuff like, I'm so happy you guys are doing this. You guys are perfect for my baby. I hope you don't change your mind because her kids were like acting up. I mean, they weren't acting up. They were just being kids. They were really cute. And so we left feeling like it went as well as it could and Jean was crying in the car because it was just like this release of emotion. It was pouring rain out. We drove, we got snowed in that night at the airport. It was like crazy. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. We came back. Jean was going to work. And and it started, some weird things started to happen where she started to have doubts. Like her family wasn't being 100% supportive. Her family. Yeah. Yeah. Like her family was like, how can you do this? She hadn't talked to her kids about it. We were like, we were talking to her lawyer saying like, how come you didn't, there's supposed to be a social worker and a therapist. Like, did she not have that? We, We were, we were supposed to and willing to pay for that. They were like, we weren't sure. Like, there was just a lot of, like, cloudiness. We weren't sure about the details. Yeah, I feel like for adoption, because it is a business for them, too, like, it's not in their best interest to, like, their best interest is to place babies. So they don't want, they want, like, a nice success rate. And I don't think they want to give these women all of the, necessarily all the help. They were kind of like, birth mothers always freak out. And I was like. They said birth mothers in a way that sounded like they grouped them all together. That sounded really, really gross. Yeah. Mm. And it started to feel like we didn't, like, the way they were talking about her, we were feeling like we we had this woman's back more than they did. Yeah, it seemed right. like they were manipulative and not wanting to help them just so that this would work out. So it, it ended up she was going to have a C-section, so we were pretty sure. But she was also like, this could happen at any time. It was her third baby, so of we course, also didn't think it was off. We we said that, but we both we I were think really were very hopeful. positive. Yeah. So we told we put a big email out to our family and close friends, and then. Some of our close friends threw like an online shower. So all these gifts started arriving. Amazon, like <gasps> changing table, rocking chair, oh my diapers, gosh. Oh my formula, mobile, mobile diapers, small clothes. stuffed animals, everything, like boxes. Like like Just I've never like, had Amazon that much. Like we knew our Amazon person's name. We were tipping them. It was like a whole, oh we were like, gosh. it was very weird and suburban. And then we were on this up and down, like it's not going to happen. We can't tell anybody. And then. Painted the room upstairs, made a nursery, moved oh furniture, God. threw stuff out. It was insane. And then one day I went to work. And I went on this woman's Facebook page because I knew her Facebook, even though she didn't know I knew because I was stalking her. And I just saw her saying, so glad I had my baby today. Welcome to a family, our newest member. And I was like, what the? So she had oh the baby. And it was devastated. Like now I'm happy for her that she decided and all that stuff. But at the time it was just like, and Jean was at work, but so I didn't want to call her. So I called the lawyer and like yelled at them like I shouldn't know before you. You should if I'm checking her Facebook page, you should be like I was I was furious and angry and we're coming in there tomorrow and we're gonna talk about how this happened because I was like I didn't want to let it get away from us. And then Jean came home at like nine and I told her and We were so devastated. Again, bad news. Again like and only we now told we had everybody. told everyone. Now it wasn't just like a few family members. Now there was like you know, sixty to one hundred people knew a lot of whom had spent money and unbought good stuff, God. which also at work we're not good with. Pe- I, oh sorry. yeah, are you job? I yeah. told people at work like I might have to fly out, and they were like, "Whatever you need, we're so happy for you." And I was like, "Now I have to go tell them this didn't fucking work out." Like it feels like we're failing. It does feel like you're failing. Yeah, we we are. Yeah, like like you are. You want something and you didn't get it. That's failing. Yeah, like, we failed. So Brian was like, "The next day we need to go meet this lawyer," and they're a bit of a drive away. And I was like, "I don't want to." I was so depressed. And you were like, we got to do this. And like drove there, went over like 
our issues with how they weren't vetted and how this woman wasn't vetted. We had everything printed out. We talked about money. We talked about everything. We were both very, very assertive, which we isn't normally who we were. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we adulted at the age. You knew. <laughs> Don't two, use that two word. Two middle-aged people adulted. <laughs> two people who are old enough to be grandparents. Uh, adult. <laughs> it's so dumb. Can you be over? Yeah. Um, I hate that word. I hate, I hate, I hate everything. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Bruce. How do you advocate so, for yourself in that situation? How do you know how to advocate for yourself? Well, they have something set up, like what they told us for what happened versus what happened. And just saying like, you that mm. these are issues we said we wouldn't deal with and you convinced us it was okay and it wasn't. And I was clear all along the way, like this woman needs help. And they were like, it's not a big deal. And I was like, it was a big deal. And yeah. we got this guy, this slick lawyer, this guy who he, he's probably a good guy in his heart, but but a guy who's very protective because he's a lawyer and he knows a law. And so he will never say sorry. Like there's things, you know, he knows certain things show that he's negligent. So he, he, he will never own anything mm-hmm. professionally. But we got him to admit that he did that they did some things wrong. Like we got we we got him on a couple of things. Like we. This so, is almost over. I feel like it's such a long story. So is then it, we did it, okay? and then yeah. we were we came home and we the were emergency devastated. Emergency list. The emergency list. Yeah, they said they can put us on the emergency list, which is like <gasps> when babies are born, and and the woman decides she wants to adopt that day, and they call. So it's like a thing, and we have friends who did that, and we know that it took a couple of weeks or months, but we're like, okay, yeah, put us on that. So we came home and we were putting all the boxes away, and we were sad, and we went to like a movie and we did some stuff and then we were like home that night we're like we're gonna drink and Jean's like if you want to go to Vegas and sleep with hookers go whatever <laughs> whatever you need to do like, go there do there were no rules we were there, the saddest we've um, ever been yes and I was upstairs like cleaning up the nursery like taking stuff down and putting it away I Jean, was calling escorts Jean, Jean was downstairs <laughs> having sex with prostitutes uh, and crying and um you were we, prostituting yeah <laughs> and we got a call it was like two days later and it was the lawyer again saying like this never happens it's never happened but there's a baby in California. The mom just gave birth. She doesn't want to know the gender. She's she wants as close to a close adoption. Do you guys want to drive out to the valley? And basically, the next morning we did, and we came home at five o'clock with Bruce. Like you it was like going to Costco. In we just such came. Shock. <laughs> After all that, it was like insane. So now, uh, so now we had to re-email all these people that like we said, "Yay, we're having a baby," and then we said like two days later, "We're not. We don't want to talk about this." To be like funded gift cards. Just, well, the like people that. sent us gift cards. We refunded the gifts. We said we're keeping the gifts because we want to believe we're gonna have a baby. Yeah. Um, but we just didn't want to hold on to money. It just felt weird. Yeah. So we were at the hospital, and it just kind of was this weird gradual thing where we were very gun shy. We were like, "We're not sure. We need to talk to the pediatrician because there are a lot of things that women can lie about their health, the baby's health, and." Yeah, we didn't have vetted like mental illness or like fetal alcohol syndrome if they drank, like all that stuff we were very worried about. Yeah. We did ask friends who had adopted too and they were like, be very careful, like don't jump in because it is so manipulative. It's so easy to just be like, but we got there and he was super content. He's a really content baby and the nurses were like, he's healthy and the pediatrician, like slowly through the day, we were there for several hours, but then they were like, you go go get that car seat now and then you guys can go home. And we were like, what? We came home that day. It was insane. We had to like. Did you meet the mom or not? No. Nope. She didn't want to. She did write a letter like with her family history, and I think she's open to meeting him down the road. We have her name. She has our names. We live in the same state, so we'll see how it goes because it would be good for Bruce, but we'll see. Yeah, we just came home with Bruce, and then we were like, we have to tell our family we now have a baby. (laughs) We started texting people like. There's no way that she can come back and say, "Give me that." No, there's like an eight day. There's like a grace period, like baby back, baby back. I want my baby back. Um, There was like, there's like a period of time that they can do it like a couple days. It's usually like two weeks, but they can sign or, or I think a month and they sign papers that like relinquish that and make it go like immediately. But it takes four days for that. So 
Was that happened Wednesdays. on Sunday. Did you wait till Wednesday? To tell people? Yeah. Not our immediate family. We told our family. We told our family in the hospital when we were holding. It was like I sent pictures of Gene holding the baby. Like, now we do have a baby. And like <laughs> most of my family was like, I got back like three texts from like my aunt, my sister, and my father all saying like Brian. This shit's not funny. Stop. Yeah. Don't send this text. It's like, no, we really have a baby. Like, we're coming home. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. I didn't tell anyone at work because I was like, if I tell, if I go in here on Monday and go like, we do have a baby. And then on Wednesday go like, we really don't. Like, I was like, I'll walk into the ocean. Like I'll walk into the ocean and never yeah. come out. Like I can't. So meanwhile, we are out of our minds because the newborn is insane. So suddenly and Jean's every at three work, hours, and Brian's I'm, home. So like, she's at work acting like she doesn't have a baby. Like, <laughs> But so missing tired. her baby being at work, like trying to be funny, you know, trying. I mean, she's being, <laughs> she does her best. I don't and know. Um, AP Bio, NBC, uh, a channel. You could teach her a couple things, right, Brian? Uh, yeah, I mean, He's a teacher. I'm a teacher. Um, I'm a stay home dad now. And so, so then, yeah, and I'm like running around Googling how to change a diaper and like, like. Oh my God, I would have come over. Um, but we didn't want to tell anybody. So then Wednesday, it was final, and we were like, we were like, we have all these bottles of champagne from all these other almost pregnancies that we have. Like, oh and from like God. the night Hillary Clinton was going to be like, we have a lot of champagne oh, that we've, oh, we've never God. got to open. We, we have a fridge. We have like five <laughs> bottles of champagne that never happened. Wow. And uh, so we're like, let's just drink some champagne and we're going to celebrate. And I ended up having a work day that was like, we'll be done at two. We'll actually be done at four. The director's not sure. Okay. This. So I was texting Brian, like, I think I'll be home in an hour. I think I'll be home. And you were like, please hurry. I'm so hungry. I'm so tired. And I was like, and at 5 p.m. it was legal, and I just kind of stepped out of this this room where I was shooting. I was like, yay for us. She basically just texted me a, a champagne emoji with those, like, confetti thing. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got home, and I was so emotionally exhausted, I couldn't talk. And you were like, how are you? And I was like, I can't talk. And you were lying here, and Bruce was sleeping in the bassinet here. Yeah, I was I asleep, and Bruce here. was asleep, and we just all slept oh. at, like, like, 7 o'clock. That's better than champagne. And it was so. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is fun. And then we've been drinking every day since. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. You know anything about his genetic history? He's. Um, we know his mom is half Mexican, half German Irish. Yeah, his mom is uh, one parent is German and Irish, and the other parent is Mexican, and the father both parents are Mexican, Mexican American. Yeah. And we know some family history about like illnesses and like their activities that they like and. S- schools things that they excel at like she wrote she wrote some nice information okay. the, the lawyer then uses a social worker who go and meet her to make sure that she wants to do this and that she has consent she has to give consent but they have to guarantee that she knows what she's doing which is good and um for her and for everybody and they felt like she was very smart and understanding but she just didn't have the money she knew what she was doing she has a kid she can't afford this how do you make that decision right at that moment like I, there's a lot of things that make me wonder about that. Like maybe she knew, but she knew that this was probably the easiest way she could do it. Well, I think also having that relationship, if you want to close, if you want an open real oh, thing, you true. do want to know people for three months and you'll be visiting down the line. But if you, you don't want, want that, then there's no need to tell anybody until it happens. Yeah. Like That's it's true. like the fireplace baby, like thing of like just dropping a baby, like to, or a fire station. Like I, I'm sure that people know that if you have baby in a hospital and you don't want to have mm-hmm. it, they're not going to make you go home with the baby. So she probably thought that, or maybe she, I mean, there's people who don't know they're pregnant. There's all sorts of things. You, mm-hmm. There's like, who yeah. knows? Mm-hmm. Or maybe she was teetering. Maybe she wasn't sure. And then something in the last couple of days made her. It's probably the closed thing. I, that's what I'm going to vote for. I think so. <laughs> that's the most, that's the most, that's the best story. <laughs> it makes us all well, feel it good. Might be, it might be so much harder when you're pregnant to go to, an, what, what, is, what did the first woman have to do? Did she have to go to an adoption agency and say, I want to do this and how can I find, like, that's a lot of work for her. Yeah. That she might yeah. not have 
that the second woman and got a lot to avoid. of conversations about like, what do you want? How do you want this baby to live? Where a do you lot. want this baby mm-hmm. to live? And I think all of that is so upsetting. I think the woman who picked us initially didn't care. She didn't really consider where we lived so much or how far it was. I think she was just like, that'll do because I can't imagine how, how gut wrenching that is. I, mm-hmm. I've never been a given birth, so I can't. Mm-hmm. Ima- and I think there's a thing where it's sort of couched in this like beautiful, like you'll be there at the birth and they'll ha- you'll cut the cord and the mo- mother will hand you the baby and you'll be the first to hold it. But just like, that's it's like that the IVF. Weird. It it's sounds, that's the sales part. They told yeah. us that up top that we would definitely be part of the birth. And like, I don't want to cut anyone's. That's cord. never. First of all, we don't. Yeah, we don't want to. But second of all, that was never even an option with the first one. When we were, we did know her for all those months. We never talked. She would. She had no interest in discussing that. We pretty much assumed by the end that we were going to be at the hospital. They would let us know when the baby was born, and that was how we would. Right. But they don't sell it that sold, way. They yeah. sell it like you're going to be there with her. You're going to be best friends. You're going to be holding her hand. She's going to hand you the baby. You're going to cut the cord. And it's like, that's that's not fair to the br- I don't think they have to be more respectful. I, think. I also think, I know it's a business, which is why it sucks. But I wish they were like, this could be very expensive. And it's going to be really complicated. Like the relationship you have with this woman is going to be really complicated. Instead of like, just go take her for a manicure when you go visit. It's like, just the same conversation as the IVF. Just be yeah. honest. Be cool. Tell people what's going on. Like people are going to still do it. People want babies. Reality. Yeah, yeah, we're desperate. No, we don't have a choice. We <laughs> yeah. like we couldn't have a baby. You know the way people do who just have sex and have babies. So we're at your disposal. We're going to do IVF. We're going to pay you the money. You're going to get your money. Same with the adoption. Just be, just be honest with us. And so we are prepared. But for some reason they don't. It's, it's, you know, it's a sales pitch, but it's a bummer that they have to do it. Which is why your podcast is helping people be prepared. It's really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Nice way to wrap it up, Jean. <laughs> Thanks, Jean. Everything's easy, but really the day before we found out about Bruce, it felt like we're not going to have a baby and everything. So it, it doesn't, someone asked me recently also, it was like, was Bruce the baby? Like, you know, the perfect goes, baby yeah, came to you. It goes back to, to don't you. say that stuff. And it's just like. I don't know that that uh, two days before that the other baby was the perfect baby, so I can't right. just say like he solves all problems. Like it also yeah. is like this was meant Russell's- to be. People say that it's like oh, so you're saying those miscarriages were meant to be? Fuck you! Like, and all sorry, that, yeah. You can say fuck you, but I just no, didn't. you can say fuck you. You said fuck yeah. right away, right out, out of fuck the gate. Fuck right away. You said fuck, fuck, fuck right away. <laughs> fuck right. I heard you cussing immediately into this podcast, and <laughs> I was fuck right off from the Godfather. Yeah, you just relax. <laughs> I guess that's it, Bruce. Do you have any final thoughts? Oh man, he flipped what, her is off. Is he asleep or something? <laughs> He's ignoring you. It's different. <laughs> He's pissed. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for talking to me. Thank you Thank for you. having us. And good luck. Thank it's, you. Yeah, if you ever want to talk, not into the mic. Yeah, come yeah, over. Yeah, 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 yeah. But don't ask me anything. Okay. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste, dare. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Molly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian and Jean, for welcoming me into your home and for sharing your very deeply personal story with me. It was so helpful for me to hear that during this very interesting experience that I'm going through. And I'm sure it will be very helpful for a lot of my listeners as well. And Bruce, little Bruce, thank you so much for letting me hold you. Oh, I've been dying to meet you and see your hair in person. And I just, that's really all I needed this week. Thank you so much to my newest Patreon subscribers. We got Katie, Brian, Susan Holland, Sarah Marr, Madeline, and Kelsey Vinzant. Thank you all so much. We're up to $382 a month, 127 patrons. There are 127 of you that are keeping this show alive. And I really, truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. 
If anyone else out there wants to become a Patreon subscriber, go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast and have access to all kinds of little fun secrets. Top secret information about my personal life, people. That is worth money. Oh wait, you know what I would really like? Hold up. I would like any of you that haven't gone to iTunes and rated and reviewed this podcast yet to go and do that right now at this very, very moment. I know, I know you don't think it's going to make any difference whatsoever, but I swear it truly does flag this podcast as one to listen to. All right, if you want to reach me, email me at spermcast at gmail.com or call me at 323-741-1818 or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at spermcast. Want to see a picture of Bruce's hair? I'll post a pic on Instagram today. Oh, it's so cute. Oh my gosh, and don't forget to watch Gene on AP Bio on Thursday nights on NBC, 8.30. And if you want to hear some of Brian's amazing, truly amazing storytelling, just Google Brian Finkelstein and the Moth. And you know what? No, 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 no. I'll put a couple links in the show notes. Notes. Okay, goodbye. Love you. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay to straight, black to white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.